Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am the host of Independent Thought. My name is Desmond Price. No matter where you are in the world, I want to thank you for giving me a few minutes of your day to hear my thoughts. As always, we have a great show for you today. Now here are our topics. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Independent Thought. My name is Desmond Price. We are joined again by our favorite guest of the podcast, Christopher Tracy. Welcome back to the show, my friend. Thanks, D. Appreciate you having me. It's been too long. I know, right? Thank you for coming back. I had to take a quick little hiatus there during the summer months here, but we are back and making episodes again. So today has been a day of podcasts, my friends. You do not know this, but behind the scenes, I have been on other podcasts today, and it's been a podcast full of days today. So now to my podcast. Today we are going to be talking about exclusions and its limits. Chris, we were having this conversation earlier. I, I want to just like kind of give the floor to you a little bit here. Um, tell me, what exactly were your thoughts on what you said about this earlier? Well, obviously, you know, exclusion is something that is just going to be a part of life, right? You can't include everybody. And in some instances, it's really, really dumb to try. And you're just going to hurt the people that, you know, that are included. But it's also realizing that it has limits on it. And too much exclusion is just history says only one thing about that. Too much exclusion damages society. It damages the people. So it's just like about, you know, drawing lines where, when, and how. And I think that that's really going to be have to, have to be something that everybody's involved in. Right. So the conversation that was coming up before was, you know, you and I were talking about voting and the conversation was centered around the idea of like, should we exclude very young people from voting because they're just too naive? Or should we like exclude older people from voting because they just might just not be as in touch with the country as they used to be? And I came out on the side of saying that I don't believe that those exclusions should be put in place because there are plenty of young people who are very in touch with what's going on politically. And there are plenty of old people who know exactly what's going on. And they're just as sharp as they were when they were in their 20s. I believe that when people have conversations like that where they want to exclude certain groups of people voting, it always has a slippery slope to what it could be, what it could lead to after that. What are your thoughts on that? No, no. I mean, as we said earlier, I'm in 100% agreement with you. But, and just like, you know, you acknowledge my point, there has to be lines drawn somewhere and not everybody can do everything. Not everything is for everyone. Right. And I just wanted to highlight, I think it makes sense for the purpose of our discussion, probably the three main areas that we need to highlight today, like where uh, we need to seriously having these discussions is in our economic life. It's in our immigration laws. And it's just in our laws regarding the freedom of expression. All right. So economics, expression, and immigration. Let's go economics first. I what figured is... you'd want to touch that first. Exactly. I was hoping you would. Right. So what exactly are the some of the exclusions that come to mind for you? Well, like I said, you see like where we're headed. And, you know, since the wall came down in 89, the, uh, the differences between capitalism and socialism are not at all what we were taught and trained to believe because it just seems like you know the fears that everybody had about one versus the other i mean have just come true period this is undoubtedly a capitalist world and all the fears everybody had regarding socialism 
totally didn't manifest. Like, actually, not didn't manifest. They're manifesting now under capitalism, and that's, you know, just a naked central authority with all the resources and all the power. That was pretty much their fear of socialism. Right. And, you know, there's no place for the common man. And here it looks like with automation coming in, we're damn near poised to recognize that under capitalism. Right. So all the things that we thought that wouldn't happen underneath the capitalist, you know, like society are happening anyway, but still underneath the capitalist society. Exactly. But, you know, it's also about respecting like, no, we, you know, we can't have a full, you know, state run, state planned economy either. But giving our economy entirely over to, you know, private interests and corporations, we're seeing what that's starting to do to that society. And only a fool would think it's healthy to continue this practice as it is. Right. So what would be some of the exclusions that you would think people would want to put on capitalism or that they're talking about putting on capitalism? You know, I mean, we're going to have to say that corporations can't write their own laws. And I know I sound like a fool right now with all the power that they've nabbed. But I mean, we're, like, we're going to have to say, you know, a lot of these conservatives, D, who are, uh, you know, big time supporters of the free market, they want limits on people's personal behavior, but they don't think that, you know, an economic behavior doesn't have to be included in that. I was like, well, you know, limits have to apply across the board. You don't get to say there's limits on this, but there aren't limits on that. You know what I'm saying? Do you follow on that? I know exactly where you're at. And I also think that it's kind of ridiculous that you would have your, your priorities in that order versus being in the reverse order. You would almost think that you allow people to take more liberties in their personal lives and take less liberties in the economic world just because of the just mass impact like economics have on everyone as a whole. I mean, when a corporation does what it does, like Amazon, for instance, when it's left unchecked, it can just decimate an entire country's economy as it has by just closing down business after business after business and just consolidating that wealth into one place. It's just now created a you know, the vacuum, basically, where like a huge like margin of our economy is just going into one one company, a company that doesn't pay any taxes and starves its employees, basically. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? I mean, you talk of you, you hit upon that good word, consolidation. Man, that's such a that's such a word people start need people need to start understanding it and knowing it. But you know, I'm seeing this now, like it may or may not have been intentional, but you know, this pandemic, because of what it's doing to local businesses, I mean, it's just gonna kill off local culture in so many parts of the country. And what's gonna take its place is probably just gonna be, you know, some some kind of corporate culture that we don't all agree to. And it's just I don't see how that's gonna be healthy for the benefit for the, for the future of this country at all. Right. And I almost feel like, you know, the question really becomes like, you know, like, what is the answer to that? I I feel like there's probably a laundry list of things that you could name off right now about like how you would go about fixing this issue. But I, I just feel as though right now we have a situation where the most obvious answer to this question, I feel like has to start with there needs to be actually like regulations on these people. And, you know, like, I feel like conservatives like to talk about the fact there's like too many regulations on, you know, like business right now. But if this is how business operates with too many regulations, I wouldn't want to see what they would operate without any regulations because they're already steamrolling the American people the way that they're going. These, these multinational corporations are. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, well, you know, as far as solution goes, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, like, I feel like the problems are layered and, you know, solutions are, too. But like one overreaching theme, and I think I'm probably going to repeat this before this is done with, is that, you know, some kind of change is going to require an overall shift in society and values, period. Because like I said, if it's right to impose limits on people's personal behavior, that has to include economics, too. Right. Yeah. So 
I feel like right now, like when it comes to, we talk about like, you know, exclusions. I just, I just don't understand like why, you know, like some of these like businesses are able to operate without impunity the way that they are. But, you know, we are always so focused on making sure that everything else in our society just gets left unchecked. But speaking of other things that, you know, people want to put limits on, you want to talk about expression. So one of the things that, came up in a conversation I had earlier today was whether or not it was okay to censor Donald Trump on Twitter and whether or not that was like a violation of his like first amendment rights. Do you think that Twitter should be able to remove tweets from the president of the United States? Yes. Like you said, choose a sword to follow on. They're a private corporation. And obviously this was the other way and this was censoring Joe Biden or something he said they thought was inflammatory, we wouldn't even be having this debate and they'd be calling us snowflakes. So it works both ways. Private corporations can do that. And it just goes to show, like, we elected him president and he has no idea what the First Amendment is about because it's not the government doing this to him. Because he's the government. (laughs) Right. He's not doing this to himself. No. (laughs) But, I mean, it's funny enough, he'll pass laws, though, that favor people like Zuckerberg and Amazon to do these kind of things, but he, he doesn't think about that. No. Until it affects him. Exactly. And I just, I I am baffled at some of the people who, you know, would like to have this idea where it's like, okay, well, you you can't possibly like, you know, like censor the president. He's the president of the United States. Like everyone needs to hear what he has to say. It's just like, he doesn't have to be on Twitter. You know, like he doesn't have to be on Twitter. He doesn't have to be on Facebook. I mean, he's the president. He can be on every platform. What other world leader does this? Right. I mean, I mean, like, they have press, but they have other people doing it for him. This is the only dude who insists on doing his own press, and he wonders why it's making him crazy. Yeah, it's, you know, I'm sure on some hand, he'd probably argue that, like, him doing his own press has led to him being as popular as he is. And he might not be wrong. But at the same time, it's like, you know, like, I don't understand how you argue saying that businesses should be able to operate how they see fit and then be upset when the business operates how it sees fit. Hey, Indie Thought listeners. Has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side? Well, then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode. Bathing Beauties Beads is a full service bead shop in the heart of downtown Missoula. Whether it's seed beads, semi-precious stones, vintage beads, or just materials to make a project, they have something for every person and every price range. Not from Missoula? Don't worry. They have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at bathingbeautiesbeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order. Betty's Divine is a locally owned boutique on the magnificent hip strip in downtown Missoula, Montana that has been a fixture in the Mountain West since 2005. We have a fondness for vintage-inspired clothing, shoes, and accessories for humans, as well as the real deal found in our vintage department, Divine Trash. 
Betty's Divine presents a snapshot of Northwest styles with an emphasis on street, skate, surf, and rock and roll culture, as well as Americana classics. Alongside a radical selection of clothing, Betty's Divine offers a damn fine array of shoes, jewelry, records, and accessories to satisfy any taste, whatever your age or vibe. You can count on us to prioritize financial, social, and environmental responsibility without sacrificing the look. Visitors enjoy a lovely atmosphere, dreamy tunes, and the best customer service in the West. And you can shop us online at bettysdivine.com. You know, like, he's the president. He's using that platform just like anybody else. And if anybody else had said something incorrect on there, they would have been banned also. I don't see why he would be above the law because he's the president. But then again, I feel like Trump consistently feels like the rules don't apply to him. No, that's a good point. This is going to just segue into something else that I wanted to touch on this very same thing with expression. He's like, I'm starting to understand things like nihilism and cynicism more than I ever have in my life. Because if people are just going to, you know, make a mockery of, you know, words and symbols and gestures and, you know, like want a certain value system when it's beneficial to them and then want to tear it apart when it's not. It's just going to make people nihilistic, cynical, depressed, and anxious. Exactly. And you know, that, that's another thing, like, you know, why I wanted to say, like, I, I know you agree and so do I, that there probably should be some kind of limits on expression because, you know what, certain things just, you know, too much of us saying and doing what we want is bad for cooperation and a society needs cooperation to function and go forward. There, it's touchy subjects when you're trying to talk about like, you know, freedom of speech. I mean, there are certain things that I think we can all agree on are things that people shouldn't say. But I feel like they, they need to be, that needs to be a small like pool of things that we can't say. You know, and I think it's different between like what the government would, you know, like, I guess, come down on you for, and then what, like, your job can do. Because, like, obviously your job is a different story than the government. Well, you know, D, it's not even about government power. I mean, I mean, the government doesn't really have as much power as they think to limit us. So I maybe, maybe I'm kind of crazy for thinking that, you know, maybe they should try and impose limits. But here's the thing. Like, if I'm hearing certain things from certain people and I hear them over and over again, and they don't care whether it's right or wrong to say it, I mean, I'm just going to stay away from those people. And now we're not cooperating. We're not dialoguing because it's unbearable for me. And it just continues to expand the power of the government. Yeah. So what is the counterbalance then? Like, what do you think should happen? I don't know. That's probably going to, that's going to have to involve all of us deciding like, hey, um, it's clear that we're here together right now. And I know of no other arrangement that can exist. I mean, as far as that goes, I don't even want to entertain secession talk because it's not, what it, it's not going to be what anybody thinks it's going to be. So right now I plan on working with people that I disagree with trying to find some way in which to do it. I just don't know how, but we do have to agree that, you know, certain things shouldn't come out of our mouth, certain flags shouldn't fly, and certain statues shouldn't be up for the health of the society. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, like, there's just so many issues just like this that you feel like there's, like, a a true, like, divide within the nation. But I feel like, you know, speaking of issues that have divided the nation, um, going now to immigration... You know, that is an issue that definitely divides our nation. Now, when you were saying earlier that you think that this was a topic that involved exclusions. Now, this is the part where I want to give you the floor a little bit here. Where do you think exclusions apply in immigration? Well, looking at 
our GDP, the health of our economy, you know, the availability of goods and services, and, you know, people's access to income and necessary resources. And right now, you would say definitely for American citizens, you and I see that those are being big concerns. And there's a lack of some of those things. People cannot access those things in the way that they need to to live a decent life. And it's like we're going to allow immigrants here, though, to access some of those same things that we're already struggling to get. And it just it just doesn't make sense. And that kind of generosity doesn't exist for us as Americans in other parts of the world. Like, you know, you and I as black guys, D, we can't just like, you know, waltz into Africa. They have immigration laws and we don't get to just waltz in there. As much as it is, you know, we let a lot of Hispanics from the third world come in here. It doesn't work the other way. And they would be like, oh, no, no, no. If a bunch of Americans wanted to just go there, look at Canada. <laughs> the Canadians are like, we're going to build a wall. They don't want a bunch of Americans just coming up there. So, I mean, it's like we want a standard here, at least some people here do, want a standard here that just doesn't exist anywhere else. And if we're going to take time to draft these laws and draw these lines, these borders, I mean, they should have to mean something, right? Or else that goes back to, you know, people are going to be nihilistic and cynical. Yeah, I think the immigration issue is just an issue that I feel like gets overly politicized and doesn't get talked enough logistically. Because uh, I feel like if people took the time to be logistical about the immigration policies, it wouldn't be as – I don't think it would be as divisive as it currently is. Because I feel like the main issue that I feel like a lot of people on the left have is the treatment of immigrants once they come to America. You know, I feel like there's only like really like a small like fraction of people who feel like anyone should be able to come here at any point in time and use whatever resources they need to use. Like, I don't feel like that many people, as far as like percentage wise, actually feel that way. I feel like most people just think that like, you know, immigrants should be treated with respect when they come here and they should come here, you know, like according to our laws. But then I feel like there's a a big debate about what exactly the laws are, because I don't even know that many people actually even know what our immigration laws are, how asylum works, what exactly that looks like, so on and so forth. So this is an issue that I feel like just needs a lot more clarity and it just doesn't have a whole lot because both parties use these immigrants as a prop just to yell at each other. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, you know, not to mention, especially because, you know, this is a global thing is, you know, in regards to, you know, immigrants from the middle East, well, I mean, loss and all that, people are just like, well, why are they here? Why are they coming here? It's like, well, I don't know. Why did you guys go and bomb out their countries? <laughs> You'd think it'd be that simple to have that kind of a conversation, but unfortunately it's not. You know, I, I mean, I so feel- many of us are just so reactionary, and this is me included. I'm guilty of that. Yeah, you know, a lot of these people, you know, are coming here because, like, they are literally, like, running for their lives. They're running for their no, lives. No doubt. And, it, it, you know, it isn't me to say who does or doesn't come here, especially as a minority in this country. When I was, when people like us were born here and our family heritage goes here back to the founding of this country, both you and I, and yet people still like, cause of the color of our skin, we don't belong here. So they are a place I really to say who should and shouldn't come here. But I do feel like as a responsible citizen, somewhat, there's a duty to say like, we can only have so much of it. I think the question really just boils down to not so much if people should be able to come here, the question should really be how many people should be able to come here and what exactly does that process look like? Because it sounds to me, and I don't know it like, you know, inside it out, but it sounds to me that the process is so convoluted 
that like it can take years and years and years and years just to get to the point of like coming here versus even being able to apply for citizenship, let alone actually get to be a citizen. And it just, it feels like a system that is designed so like, so flawed that it almost is like begging for it to be abused because like it doesn't, it feels like it shouldn't need to be as complicated as it is. It really shouldn't. No, exactly. And well, you know, there's another thing though, and I've caught some flack because some people might think it's kind of harsh, but I'm like, if people are going to come here, they should learn the language. D, I lived in Germany. For us as Americans, even as you know, military American people, like if you went off base, dealt with the Germans, they were very adamant that you tried to at least speak some German. They didn't care if you sounded awful. The effort is what counted for them. And they, they wanted to see consistent effort out of us as Americans. I mean, there are people who used to complain, like, I don't like that story. If you don't speak, if you don't speak German, they don't talk to you. I was like, well, this is their country and they have every right to demand that. And I don't think it's wrong when I hear people say, like, hey, people are going to come here, they should speak English. I had to deal with a lady some time ago in my line of work, and she has full access to state services, and she doesn't speak a word of English. And she has to have a translator every time. And I'm just like, there, that's, I don't think that's correct. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's, like, there should be some kind of, like, gap. You know what I mean? Obviously, you can't show up and learn a language. I couldn't show up tomorrow to, to Russia and learn Russian. You know, like... Oh, heck no, and, and vice versa. Our language, we're talking about Russians... It's as hard as them to learn English as it is for us to learn Russian. Yeah, so I, I don't. I think there's obviously like a time factor involved here, but I, I feel like that should be a requirement. I mean, exactly. It's not so much that like you need to be able to speak perfect English, but you should be able to speak some English. I think you should be able to speak the language of the country you're attempting to live in. Like, if I went tomorrow to go live in Japan and just thought to myself, I'm just going to keep speaking English and never even attempt to learn Japanese, that just makes no sense to me. That makes no oh. sense to me whatsoever. Exactly. And that, that is a very strong nationalist country, them and Korea. You will learn Korean. You will learn Japanese if you want anything. Right. So, yeah, I, I, you know, this is probably like, you know, for those who listen to this podcast, you know, I've been relatively liberal on almost every issue that you've probably heard me talk about so far. This is the one where I, I don't align with the Democrats as much. I just... I just don't understand some of the some of the positions the Democratic Party has taken on immigration. It almost just feels like it's just pandering on their part to expand their voter base, and which I honestly am just convinced that it is all it is. But and it's like they intentionally want to, you know, piss off the other side, and I just that can't be a part of our politics. No, no. I feel like there's a really sensible way to address this issue that doesn't need to dehumanize anyone in any way, but is still fair to the system. You know, I, exactly. It shouldn't be used to purposely inflame other people because that's what it's doing. And I blame the Democrats in a lot of ways for some of these conservatives becoming so unbearable to talk to. Yeah. And you know what? I also just blame the conservatives as well because they – they have exploited this issue this whole time. I mean, because honestly, both parties have held office in whether it's the majority in the Senate or the, or the White House itself. They have taken turns holding positions of power over the last 40 years while we've had this immigration crisis be as bad as it is. And at no time has either party found a way to solve this issue. But yet they are always able to find a way to help the rich get richer. They're always able to do it. They always figure it out. And, you know, I think that that's a, at a heart of it, a lot of this, because, you know, both sides enjoy cheap labor and immigrants from the third world know no better. So they come here and they think, you know, they're like living like kings and queens compared to their old life. And I think that's a heart of it, D. And I think you hit on very good. And you also know your history. 
because everybody thinks, you know, it was Obama and the liberals, but no, it was not. Reagan opened up the door to Hispanic immigration in the 80s. Yes. And it's been going on since the 80s. And, you know, like he didn't fix it. Bush didn't fix it. Clinton, Clinton didn't, didn't fix it. Bush Obama. didn't fix it. The other Bush. Obama didn't yeah. fix it. Trump hasn't fixed it. That wall's not doing anything. Like, can well, we you be know, fair? He, they don't like they come through tunnels. D, he's such a hypocrite. He uses cheap third world labor at his golf courses and his other businesses. He's such a hypocrite. <sighs> we know that. I I think that even no, that's not true. I unfortunately, I was about to say that I feel like most people know that Trump is full of it, but I actually just was on Instagram. No, the they day. do. They just don't have any other choice. I don't know that they do. Not all of them. I, I've been on Instagram recently. People I know personally in real life who are 100% convinced that Trump's a good person and is doing everything that he can to make this country a better place. Like They are convinced of it. And I just don't know how to talk to people who believe in Santa Claus. I just really don't. You know, like I get it. I totally get it. Yeah, I'm just like I'm like you must have thought that Bush was a good person too, and that so was Reagan, and I mean, and you must believe that all the Democrats are just all the evil people, and I just I just don't understand how you believe that you know like some politicians are good people and that other politicians are evil. I mean, that's that's a thing that is going to bring the society down. It's like, oh no, not my side. It's just the other side. Oh, it's not me. It's the other guy. When it's bull, we got to all realize that we're full of crap in our own ways. And that's why I've always appreciated our conversations, because we can see where both sides can be wrong. Right. Yeah, I don't want to branch off too much on this topic, because I feel like this next topic could use its own episode. But I've been hearing a lot about, like, you know, like the the pedophile, like, uh, claims that are coming out right now, right? And I was just, like, frightened to see all these, like all these accusations coming out because I just, I mean, like I just blown away by some of the stuff that I'm seeing. And what really just, I thought was weird about it was that whenever I'd hear people talking about it, all they would talk about was just like, this Democrat was doing this and this Democrat was doing that. And this Democrat was doing this. I was like, wait, you turned a pedophile scandal into a political argument. Like you think that only Democrats would do something like this. Only Democrats would be evil. Like, how, well, I mean, if, that and, and if that's the thing, what does that say about your Republican Party for not, like, doing anything? They're just making it into a political thing. Like, what does that say about them? Yeah, I just... And not to mention, if these Democrats are powerful enough, or is it like, say, oh, like, well, only Democrats kill babies when talking about abortion. And, you know, the Democrats are pedophiles. Like, if a party is that powerful to where they can do all that stuff with impunity, then, like, there's no other choice, right, but to vote for them. Like, they kind of make their argument pretty invalid. Yeah, by insisting on the, by insisting on this ridiculousness. So it's like either that's not true or you're in deep shit. Yeah, it, it just it, it makes no sense to me. Honestly, it, it makes no sense to me that you can sit there and claim that one party is evil and one party is righteous. Like saying that, like, oh, well, these these Democrats are all Satanists. It's like, I just don't understand the disconnect here. But I mean, I just don't even try and engage those types anymore. No, no, it just it, it's just not worth it. It'll lead to nowhere. And then they'll make an enemy into you, and who knows what they might try and do. Oh, it is it is tough. The answer to the to this question and to all questions, and I will probably say this forever, is education, my friends. Turn off CNN and Fox News and find better ways to educate yourself about the world. Just please do that for yourself. Chris, we have delved all the way through this subject, I think what we can do for this episode, 
I appreciate you coming on today. Thank you so much. And I hope that you'll come back in the future. I feel like we definitely have more to talk about that we did not get a chance to talk about in this episode. Definitely. No, it was a great talk, D. And I think we're only scratching the surface with a lot of things. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening at home. Hope you have a good rest of your day. See you next time. everyone that is our show for today i want to thank you all for checking out indie thought independent thought is brought to you by your host desmond price you can follow us on twitter at independent thought or at indie i-n-d-e thought so again thank you all for coming and hanging out with me for those of you who found me on iTunes or on Spotify, please go ahead and subscribe to us. Give us a five-star rating. If you give us a four-star rating, I'm inclined to think you're a hater. So don't hate. Thank you so much. And I hope to see you all next time.